welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my passion to encourage you and give you tips and tools to make your journey easier. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking about 10 ways that you can encourage your kids. Before we get started, let me remind you, you can access us on YouTube or Facebook or our website or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to access your podcasts. So I'm really excited about this topic today. You know, our time with our kids is so short. And I know there are some of you young moms out there thinking, tell me about it. I don't feel that way at all. And I didn't used to. I remember when I had four little ones. My kids were about 18 months apart. So by the time I had a five-year-old, I had um, three more children. And I felt overwhelmed. You know, I had to do all the laundry, the cleaning, the cooking, watching the children. And you just feel like that's going to be your life forever. Your kids are always going to be little. And you kind of can't see that time's going quickly. But believe me, it does. Now, let me just say, as your kids get older and you can assign chores and teach them to help you and relieve some of the burden, things do get easier. That was the hardest stage for me with four little ones. And yet... Looking back, it has its sweet moments. So if you are there right now, just embrace that season that you're in and love on those kids. And, you know, sometimes the housework has to get put on back burner, and that's okay. You know, your time with your kids goes quickly. You can't get that time back. I love Psalm 90:12. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may present unto thee a heart of wisdom. And that is so true. Um, Purpose to realize that your days with your kids living in your home are numbered. The kids grow up and you won't get that time back. Even though some days seem long and hard. I, I used to say the days would seem long, but looking back, the time went so quickly. And remember that everybody needs encouragement. Be your kid's best cheerleader. Your relationship with your kids is the most important thing. As you build that relationship with your kids, you are in a better position to point them to the Savior. And that's what our job is, ultimately. So here are some tips to help you focus. Number one, don't complain. Proverbs tells us, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And you, as the mom, can actually be a healing balm to your children by maintaining a merry heart. There's a verse we used to teach our kids. One of our kids really struggled with this. He was a complainer. And we used the Living Bible for this verse because it kind of spoke to him in language he could understand. It says, gentle words cause life and health, but griping brings discouragement. And it's so true. We would tell him and we would tell ourselves, when you gripe, when you complain, you're not only affecting your own attitude, you're affecting all those around you. Griping brings discouragement. It brings it to the griper, it brings it to those listening. You know, the children of Israel, um, God didn't allow them to go into the promised land. Why? Because they were complaining. It was that complaining spirit. Complaining is so It's so important that we get a handle on that, that we don't do it. You know, God hates that. When we complain, ultimately, we are saying, God doesn't know what's best for me, and I could do it better than him. 
So ultimately, we might be complaining about a situation, about our car breaking down, or finances, or whatever, but ultimately, we're complaining about the Lord. We think he's not treating us right. And if we do that as a mom, we are setting that stage for our kids. We're telling them how to handle their difficulties by complaining to the Lord. And that's a serious thing. But you know, your cheerfulness will make your kids want to be around you and listen to what you have to say. Number two, acknowledge their attempts to do well. And yes, I mean their attempts. I can think of a time when we were having a big cookout and we had a lot of families up. We had a bunch of people outside. And my daughter was about four, and she and one of her little friends noticed that the lemonade was empty. So they came in to be helpful, and they mixed up a whole gallon of lemonade. Unfortunately, as you might guess, they spilled it, like, all over the kitchen floor. And you know, lemonade, it's sticky, and I had a bunch of people, like 75 people in my backyard, and you know, I'm in there trying to clean up the sticky floor so people won't get stuck to it. But you know, I didn't discipline them because it was a mistake. They were using, they were taking initiative, they were trying to be helpful, they were trying to fill a need that they saw. They were just little. They didn't realize that they had to be really careful holding on to that jug or it might fall. So I didn't correct them. I thanked them for trying to be helpful. It was a mistake. You know, you might praise them for trying to be helpful and then kind of make suggestions for the future. But encourage them. You know, encourage them for trying to help, for trying to do well. In other situations, too, you know, sometimes kids may try and they're little, they don't, they're not able to do it right. But don't always be correcting, correcting, correcting. Encourage their attempts to do the right thing. Number three, ask their opinions. You know, sometimes we as parents feel like we need to have all the answers. And we don't. And our kids know that we don't. So ask them for their input in different situations, especially as they get older. Place value on their thoughts and their insights into a matter. Don't succumb to the temptation to be the answer man. Learn to listen. You know, we need to find out what is going on in our child's heart. And we can find that out by encouraging them to talk to us and listen to them instead of just being Johnny on the spot. All right, we'll fix it, do this, and that'll take care of it. Find out what's going on in their heart and then help them to deal correctly with whatever emotions they're feeling. So what we try to do is to help our kids apply biblical principles to every life, everyday life situations. That is our goal. You know, we want the Bible is, is what supplies the answers to life. The Bible has the answers to everyday life. And we need to be careful to listen to our kids, to find out what's going on in their hearts, and to guide them as to how to use the scriptures to deal with what's going on in their hearts. And a couple weeks ago, I did a podcast about that. And I kind of walked you through some scriptures as to how I would deal with my kids, how to use these scriptures to deal with the issues going on in their heart. So you may find that helpful to you. Also, our Character with the Cousins series, we've got four books with red covers. Um, and 
They're all designed to help kids learn to make wise choices. So you might find those helpful as well. Number four, complement their achievements, especially their character that shines forth in what they do. Their diligence in practicing the piano. It's hard, you know, sometimes days get discouraging just practicing those simple little songs. Encourage them and the diligence, the perseverance that they're using to do that. The heartfelt emotion that's communicated when they sing a solo in front of church. I've got one son that just his heart, his devotion to the Lord comes through when he sings. And I try to encourage him in that because it's just, it's such a ministry to others. But look for things that your kids are doing well and compliment them. The compassion and kindness in dealing with their younger siblings. You know, we want our kids to teach, to deal with their younger siblings in a kind, compassionate way. Sometimes we're so quick to correct them if they do it wrong, but we're not so quick to praise them when they do it well. Look for the good things. Look for the things your kids are doing right and praise them. Praise goes much further than correction. Yes, you need to correct your kids. There will be times they need correction. But if you can praise them when they're doing well, they will be much more open on those times when you need to correct them. Even simple, something simple like, you know, your little one's bringing you a picture. Praise the careful precision with which they drew the picture. Have them explain the picture to you. Um, we have this frame that I found recently hanging in my hall and it's got a glass front and you can open it up and insert pictures. And I'm doing that now with my grandkids. When they bring me pictures, I will insert them in that frame and hang them up there so that the kids know that you appreciate what they did instead of just saying, oh, yeah, thank you, and put it down. You know, ask them to explain it to you and then hang it up. I know there's magnetic frames you can put on your refrigerator to put your pictures in. Um, you know, it's so easy to just correct, correct, correct our kids so that sometimes they feel like, I can never please mom. I will never be able to please her. And we don't want to communicate that to our kids. We want to look for things that they're doing right and praise them. Number five, give them the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. I remember our kids had this little line that say, Mommy, Josh hit me as hard as he could on purpose for no reason at all. <laughs> and, you know, sure, it's easy to go correct Josh for his misbehavior. Yes, he did wrong. But Get the whole story first, because it could be that the child reporting that was really instigating the whole matter. And both of them need correction. And I'm saying that because that was generally how it happened. Um, or it could be that he's not reporting accurately what happened. So try to get all your facts before you correct kids for, uh, for misunderstanding. And if I couldn't straighten the story out, I'd just let it go. And, you know, don't be afraid to do that because the offender, the offending party is going to offend again before too long. I think of um, one of my children was born just loving to get reactions out of others. When he was about 18 months, he stood on the side of his brother's wading pool, quietly letting all the water drain out. And his brother was like screaming his head off, Mom, he's letting all the water out of the pool. And... The instigator just had this little smile on his face. You know, he, that's the reaction he wanted to get. He loves getting reactions out of people. Even to this day, he kind of enjoys that. 
But you know, don't be so quick to think that you know what's going on in a situation. But also, don't assume the worst of your kids. Assume the best in them. The world is not their friend, so we need to learn to build our kids up, not tear them down. And as I say, you know, if somebody's constantly needing correction, they'll offend again. You'll get it clear in the near future where you can correct well. Number six, don't jump to conclusions, which I know is easier said than done. So many are the frustrations of teaching kids to do right, that you see a problem and it's easy to assume that they did something on purpose, when it might be just pure childishness or maybe just something you failed to teach them. So let me give you an example of both of those. Childishness. We assume that kids think like adults. They don't, you know, they're child, they're children and they think differently. Let me give you a, an example from our family. We bought our present home years ago when our third son was about four years old. We bought it fire damaged and it was a mess. I mean, we had to tear out burned up sheetrock and insulation and baseboard. So we brought our kids with us. We were doing demolition in the house, you know, to tear these things out so that we could put new in. Well, our four-year-old son saw us and he picked up a crowbar and he went into our bedroom. And we walked in there, and he was going around the room just chopping this nice chair rail, which we had intended to keep. It was really pretty chair rail. And he was chopping it and putting little dings in it. And he had gotten pretty far before we caught him. But you know what? He was trying to help. He saw the rest of us tearing up the house, and he wanted to help. So he was doing his part. So we did not correct him for that. As a matter of fact, we still have that chair rail. We went around and my husband filled up the little dings with putty and we painted over it. But you know, that was pure childishness. He wasn't trying to be disobedient. He was trying to help. Another example from one of my other sons, he was going on an estimate with my husband. My husband used to love to take the kids with him on estimates. But this one time he kind of got distracted. He was talking to a farmer about some horse equipment in his shed and it got kind of long. My son was waiting in the car for him. He was right there. I mean, he, could, he was very nearby. But my son got tired of waiting, so he picked up a screwdriver that was laying on the floor, and he just started chopping holes in the dashboard. Now, you know, when my husband saw that, he could have gotten angry. He could have corrected him for doing that. But he said, you know what? It's my fault because I took too long talking to this man, and he got bored. He was just a little kid and he picked up the screwdriver. He was a very hands-on, he loved tools kind of kid. And he started making holes in the dashboard. Now, thankfully, that was pretty an old car at the time. So we just lived with it with a few holes poked in the dashboard. But that was a perfect example of childishness. He was not trying to be bad. He was not trying to do something mean. It was pure childishness. Another example of, of, of failing to teach them something my husband took the boys once and he was meeting a contractor and he realized that the contractor would say something to the boys and the boys wouldn't say yes sir like they they didn't appear to be too polite answering the man back and he realized you know what i have not taught them how to say yes sir and how to look someone in the eye when they're talking to them so that was an example of something we had not taught the kids and oh boy, we started looking for examples of this. 
There was one day Rick came home from work and he said, how was your day? And I said, terrible. The kids weren't really bad. They were just everywhere. I went to the store. I was getting groceries. I was tripping on them. They were asking for things. It was exhausting. So Rick said, you know what? Let's go to the store tonight again and you pick up a few things and I'm going to give the kids a few simple rules of how to behave in the grocery store. So we went to the store for the, ex the sole purpose of training our kids how to act in the grocery store. We realized we have never told them what we wanted them to do. I would say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that either. But we never said, do this. This is what we expect you to do in the store. This is how we expect you to act. So on the way, we gave the kids a few simple rules. Walk behind mommy. Don't touch things on the shelves. Don't ask, if you want to ask mommy to get a specific food, you ask before you get in the store. Because you know in the store they'll put all these enticing things at the kids' levels and they'll be asking, mommy, can I have that? Can we have that? Can you get that? So we said, ask mommy before you go to the store if you want to make a request. Um, for the, the littlest one, like hold on to the cart and walk next to mommy, just a few simple rules. and. It kind of it broke our heart that we hadn't trained our kids how to act. We were just parenting by reaction, saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And it worked so well. The next time I went to the grocery store, I had people saying, how do you get all those children to be so obedient? You know, they're acting so well. And we thought, wow, this is really working. So we started using it in other situations. Before we go to the restaurant, we would explain to the kids, when the waitress gives you your water, say thank you. And we'd practice that in the car on the way there. And the next time we went to the restaurant, we had eight kids at the time. And the kids were sitting at the table, and they were being polite and following the rules, the few simple rules that we'd given them. And a man came up, and he said, how do you get your children to be so obedient? He said, I am so impressed. So we thanked him, we went back to eating. When we got up to pay, the receptionist said, that man paid for your dinner. I mean, he paid for all of us. We had eight kids and my husband and I. So we used that to say to our kids, people are watching you. You are setting an example for Jesus when you're in public, whether it's positive or negative. And they were so excited. The next time we went to the store and nobody offered to pay for our dinner, they were a little disappointed. But we explained to them that doesn't happen every time. But people are watching you, and you are an example for Jesus, either positive or negative. And we found that that really worked. Prepare your kids in advance. Tell them what you expect them to do, and they will be a lot more likely to do it. Number seven, never correct in anger. Yes, kids need parents to correct them. That's part of our job description. We're to guide them in making wise choices. And part of that is they all fail, and they need to learn from their failures. But if you're angry, you need to go to your room, get control of your anger, and tell your kids that's what you're doing. Say, Mommy is going to talk to God to get my attitude right, and then we'll talk about the situation when I get back. So when you do that, you can come back and you can correct for their good, not because they irritated you. And what you are doing, it's so wonderful because you're patterning for your kids how to deal with their anger. Instead of just flying off the handle and yelling, you're going and dealing with God and getting your attitude right and then coming and correcting your kids. And that sets an example for them, a godly example. Number eight, ask forgiveness when you blow it. And you will. There'll be plenty of opportunities. 
but watching you work through your character faults is a powerful lesson for them, even more than just listening to your instructions. When they see how you deal with your personal failures, it's going to guide them, either correctly or incorrectly, with their own struggles. You know, parenting is hard because we see reflected in our kids bad attitudes that we have ourselves. So parenting is often dealing with your own character even more than with your kids. When you deal with your own character struggles, your kids will see you doing that and you're patterning for them how to do that when character issues come up in their own lives. When tough times come, where's your trust? Is it in material things, external things? You're setting the example for your kiddos. Number nine, verbalize that you love them. We just expect our kids to know that we love them. After all, we're sacrificing for them. You know, honestly, kids cannot appreciate what we do for them when they're little. When they're older, and sometimes even only when they're parents, <laughs> will they appreciate what you did for them when they're little. You're not living to get your kids to appreciate what you're doing. You shouldn't be living for getting your kids' appreciation. You are living to please the Lord. You're doing what you're doing for the Lord, not for your kids' acceptance or their appreciation or their respect. You're doing what you're doing for the Lord. Remember that your kids are different. You know, some want hugs. Some want your attention. They want you to sit and read to them. Others want to have you watch them play games. You know, when you do those things with them, the ways that they express love to you, you are verbal, you're verbalizing in a tangible way that you love them. Number 10, make time for what's important to them, whether it's time to listen to them. Sometimes they want to tell you these long stories and you're like, okay, I've got all this stuff to do. I can't listen to all this. But take the time to listen. Take the time to go watch the ants on the front porch. I had one little boy that used to ask for crackers and he'd crush them up and he'd watch the ants come and carry off the crumbs and he was fascinated by that and he'd want mom to go watch the ants with him. Or read to them something that you are not interested in at all. I had one son that loved field guides before he could read and he wanted me to read all that kind of boring information in field guides. But you know, when you're reading something that they're interested in and they kind of know it might not be your interest, that's saying, I love you in a big way. You know, when you're reading about hunting white-tailed deer and you have no interest in doing that yourself, you're saying, I love you to that son that you're reading to. Or helping them to gather supplies for a project they're attempting. Or just playing dollhouse or a board game with them. You know, whatever speaks to them, whatever they want to do. Spending quality time is not dragging your kids along to do something that you want to do and say, okay, I'm spending time with you. It's putting aside your wants and doing something that means a lot to them. And just as in closing, number 11, encourage them to try things. Failure is just the stepping stone to success. It's okay to fail. You know, when your kids fail, say, what did you learn from that? You know, what do you think we could do differently next time? Life is full of failures. Failure is the stepping stone to success. Um, my husband right now is recording a book about Thomas Edison, and he tried, I think it was 7,000 different things before he found the filament for the light bulb. And one of his assistants said, do you, aren't you discouraged? He said, no, I found 7,000 things that won't work. And he pursued on, and he found what did work. You know, encourage your kids with their failures, not to feel like they've blown it, that they've done something wrong, 
but they can learn from it. It's a life lesson from God. This week, we have for you a bookmark. There, you'll find a link at the end of the podcast, and on the bookmark, we have listed those 10 things to help you remember. Maybe you can stick it in your Bible and pull it out to remember the 10 things that I just told you. Don't jump to conclusions or never correct in anger. And that will help you with that. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Remember, any time that you spend teaching your kids scripture is never wasted. And if you need help teaching your kids character, we have character curriculum from preschool through high school on our website, which is characterconcepts.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. See you next week.